we left Noah there on the boat and then he was there for a long, long time. Uh, they spent a ton of time on the boat because the waters prevailed, chapter 7 says at the end, on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8 says, but then God remembered Noah and all those animals and God starts to dry up the earth again. Noah starts sending out birds, see if anything can find a landing spot. Eventually a dove goes out, comes back, brings some uh, a plant, an olive leaf back uh, to Noah. So Noah knew that the waters had, had gone down from the earth. And then it was time to step out off the ark, out into a brand new world. I mean, you think about what's going on with Noah and his family. It's like God has completely washed the world clean through the water. He's wiped away the sins of the world, it seems like, through the water. And now it's just a family who really trusts the Lord and they're walking out of the ark into a brand new world. It's, it's kind of like Noah is, is like a new Adam. And we've already got a lot of hope, right? Because Noah has actually been doing all that God commanded him. He seems to be like Adam, but way better, actually as he comes out and now the world has been made new again, it looks like, through the waters. And so we're pretty optimistic as we come into chapter eight, verse 20, and it gets even better. They get off the boat and then Noah built an altar to the Lord. This is a worshiper of the Lord. He takes some animals, he sacrifices them on the altar to the Lord because from the earliest pages of the Bible, people know that you offer sacrifices to the Lord. In verse 21 of chapter 8 says, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, remember these sins had grieved him to his heart before the flood, and he sees the worship of a man who trusts him, and he says, I'll never again curse the ground because of man. That's like what Noah's dad said. Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one will bring us relief. And God says, I'm never going to curse the ground again because of man. And, I'm, and God goes on, he says, I'm never going to strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. They'll not stop. God promises to, to Noah and his family that he would never again strike down all of the world like he's done here. That there never be a a flood like this to take out the world and that God would be faithful to provide seasons and food day in and day out. This would never, never stop. And then in chapter 9, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And can you hear the echoes? God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I mean, that is like what God said to Adam and his wife back in chapter 1. It's like Noah is a new Adam going into a new world that's been washed clean of its sin. That's what it seems like. And then God goes on in verse 2 of chapter 9. The fear of you, the dread of you, will be upon every beast, every bird. Into your hand they're delivered at the end of verse 2. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Now that's, now that's different. Uh, as I have given you the green plants, I give you everything. Here God says, I'm going to give you the animals to eat too, not just the, the plants. 
But God says in verse 4, but don't eat the flesh with its life in it. That is its blood. And now we're getting some more focus on blood in the Bible. Because it says in verse 5, and for your life blood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I'll require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I'll require a reckoning for the life of man. Verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. And, and what's going on here? I mean, God is blessing Noah he, and his family. He's making promises, but he's also laying down some laws. He's opening up the door so that they can eat animals, but he's restricting them in certain ways. He's giving them commands. And in this text specifically, chapter 9, verse 6, God is going to set up regulations, laws to curb the violence that, has, that prevailed before the flood, right? Because violence was spreading everywhere. And now God says, look, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Because man's in my image. Man bears my image. Life is precious. Life is in the blood. If you shed man's blood, your blood is going to be shed. And God is going to curb the violence so that nothing like what happened before will ever happen. Again, this becomes maybe like a foundation for, for human government even. For us that would bear the sword and be able to, to rule over people to restrain the wickedness and violence that is in man's heart because it's still there even after the flood. And then verse 8 says, And then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And this is something I wanted to point out. This is the first time. Uh, back in chapter 6 with Noah, it references that God would make a covenant. And now here in chapter 9, this is the first time in chapter 6 and chapter 9 with Noah that we find out something new about the God who is there. That this is a God who makes covenants, who makes promises, who loves to bind himself to his people, to promise them certain things and to require certain things from them. And here God makes this covenant, establishes this covenant with Noah. There are regulations, there are things that Noah and his family must do and must not do, but the covenant is so much a positive thing because God is promising to protect them and to bless them and to care for them and to never destroy the world again through a flood. And then God says in verse 12, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I'll remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow's in the clouds, I'll see it and I'll remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that's on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of that covenant 
that I have established between me and all flesh that's on the earth. It was the rainbow. God hung up his bow, which would be like a weapon of war. He hangs it up in the clouds so that whenever it rains and and God takes away the rain and the sun is shining, you'll see the bow hanging in the clouds. And God says, I'll see it and I'll remember my promise to never again wipe out the earth like this. And you'll see the bow and it'll remind you of my promises. And I think what else would the bow remind you of? I mean, imagine it. When we look, when we look at the rainbow, now unfortunately, of course, the rainbow, uh, that symbol has been hijacked in our, in our culture for, for uh, a sexual revolution in our culture. But God made the rainbow. And, and God hung it up in the clouds to remind us of something. But when we see the rainbow, often we think of, of what's going on in our culture, in the sexual revolution. Or we think of, uh, wow, that's a pretty rainbow. Or we think of uh, Lucky Charms uh, cereal, and now my kids like them. Uh, but, but think of it. I mean, just imagine Noah and his family the first time it rained after they got off that boat and God starts to open again the windows of heaven and the rain starts to come down I mean can you imagine what they would have felt when they had just seen what God did through the rain and through the waters and then after so a little time the clouds start to part the rain stops the sun comes out and they see the bow hanging in the clouds. And what does it speak to them? It reminds them of the justice and wrath and judgment of God and of the mercy of God and of the promise of God that he would never again do what he did in the flood. That they're safe if they'll just keep trusting in God, that God has covenanted himself to them and they can bank on his promises. What a beautiful thing, the bow hanging up in the clouds. And this is God's promise to Noah. And what do we feel like? I mean, God has seen in Noah faith, a man who wants to walk with God, a man who will obey God, even when it's hard. The world's been wiped clean of its sin, it seems like. Our hopes are high because our hopes are in Noah, who's like a second Adam. Somebody like Adam, but seemingly at this point, better than Adam. Maybe this is the offspring who doesn't just spare the world during the flood, but maybe this is the offspring who can actually crush the head of that serpent and take us back to the way things used to be. Thank you.